Good morning, brothers and sisters. We extend a warm welcome to everyone who has joined us in church this morning for worship of our triune God. We also extend a special welcome to all visitors who have joined us this morning here in church or who are with us remotely via the live stream. May we all be comforted and encouraged by the preaching of the gospel of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. May God be praised and glorified by our worship. Consistory has the following announcement. The congregation is reminded that there will be a Christmas Day worship service tomorrow, commencing at 9.30am. This morning the service will be led by Reverend Van Yacht, Emeritus Minister of our sister church in Byford. Before we commence this worship service, let us sing together of our Saviour, in 43 verse 4. to God. <coughs> As congregation we confess that our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Amen. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was just to come and from seven spirits are before his throne and from Jesus Christ the faithful witness the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. Amen. In response to salutation, we will sing Psalm 92, the verses 1, 2, and 3.
we now with all respect put ourselves under the discipline of the holy law of the Lord and let us test our lives on it as on the rule of thankfulness. And after the reading of the law, we respond singing Psalm 92, the verses 4, 5, 6 and 7. God speaks all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do, not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God has given you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not cover your neighbor's house. You shall not cover your neighbor's wife or his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's.
I believe in prayer. Heavenly Father, eternal and merciful God, we acknowledge and confess before your divine majesty that we are poor, wretched sinners. We were conceived and born in sin and corruption, and we are inclined to all manner of evil and by nature incapable of doing any good. We also transgress your holy commandments continually. We grieve you by our sins and bring judgment on ourselves because of them. But Lord, we are truly sorry for our sins by which we have provoked you to anger. Our conscience accuses us and we acknowledge that we are to blame for our sinfulness and transgressions. Yet we plead for your mercy on the ground of the suffering of your dear Son, Jesus Christ. Have compassion on us, gracious God and Father, and forgive us our sins for the sake of his death. Grant us also the grace of your Holy Spirit, that he may teach us to confess our sins sincerely and to know our wretchedness. May he so lead us that we die to sin, rise up to a new life, and bring forth fruits of holiness and righteousness acceptable to you through Jesus Christ. Make us understand your holy word in accordance with your divine will, so that we may learn to put our trust in you alone and not in any creature. May our old nature with all its evil desires be put to death day by day, and may we present ourselves a living sacrifice to you, to the honor of your name and the benefit of our neighbors. We thank you, merciful God and Father, that you have brought us to know you and your Son by your Spirit and Word, and have caused your Word to be proclaimed to us. Grant that we having received Christ Jesus the Lord, may live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as we were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. But since we, through ignorance, unthankfulness and discontent do not obey you as we should, we implore you, O Lord, Remember your great mercy and have compassion on us. Teach us truly to know our sins, to repent, to amend our life. Strengthen the minister to preach your holy word faithfully and steadfastly. And keep us, we implore you, from all hypocrisy and unfaithfulness 
and frustrate all evil and subtle design against your word and your church. O Lord, do not withdraw from us your word and spirit, but grant us a strong faith, patience, and steadfastness in all suffering and adversity. Grant us your peace through Jesus Christ our Lord, who gave us this sure promise. I will tell you the truth, and my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. And therefore, Lord, hear our prayer for the sake of Jesus Christ, your beloved Son, who with you and the Holy Spirit, the only true God, lives and reigns forever. Amen. Let us now flee from Scripture from the Gospel of Luke and from the prophecies of Malachi. We will read first Luke 1, verse 5 to 25 and 59 to 66. And after that, from the prophecies of Malachi, Malachi 4, verse 1 to 6. And after the reading of Scripture, we will sing together Psalm 132, verse 6, 8, 7, and 10. Let us turn to Luke 1, first verse 5 to 25, and then 59 to 66. And the first few verses, verse 1 to 4, he introduced his gospel for Theophilus, and then he continues. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they both were righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before them, him in spirit and power of Elijah, 
to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of the Lord and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah and they wondering at his delay in the temple and when he came out he was able, unable to speak to them and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple and he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended he went to his home and after these days his wife Elizabeth conceived and for five months he kept herself hidden saying thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among the people. And let's then continue in verse 59. We start reading verse 57 till 66. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth and she bore a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child. And they would have called him Zechariah after his father. But his mother answered, No, he shall be called John. And he said to her, None of your relatives is called by this name. And they made signs to his father, inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, His name is John. And they all wondered. And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed and he spoke blessings. He spoke, blessing God. And fear came on all their neighbors. And all these things were talked about through all the hills, hill country of Judea and all who heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. Till so far the scripture reading, let us then turn to the prophecies of Malachi, Malachi 4, the last book of the Old Testament. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubbled. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall, and you shall tread down the wicked for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, saith the Lord of hosts. 
Remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the heart of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction.
Let me read the text together. Luke 1, verse 67 to 79. Verse 67. And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people, and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the, path, into the ways of peace. Till so far the text. In response to the gospel, we will sing as our Amen song, hymn 80, the verses 1, 2, 5, and 6. Congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, there was a man who doubted God. He doubted God's words. He doubted God's promises. And you know that man. His name was Zacharias. Zacharias doubted God, and God took away his voice. He could no longer talk or shout or sing. He could no longer raise his voice in worship to God. Try to put yourself in Zechariah's position. Imagine that God right now, this very moment, takes away your voice. You find yourself unable to sing the songs. You are unable to answer after the service when someone asks you how you are doing. 
You go to Nana's house for coffee and cannot ask for more juice or for sugar or milk for your coffee. And afterwards, at the Sunday meal, you are unable to participate in family conversations. And you simply point at what you want. You want some meat. And by mistake you get the milk, the potatoes or the gravy. It would be very frustrating, wouldn't it? One day, a glorious day, a wondrous day, Zechariah regained the use of his tongue. He was asked what he would like to name his infant son. As Zechariah motioned for writing tablet and wrote down, his name is John. And immediately says scripture, his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed. Again, put yourself in Zechariah's position. For eight, nine, or even ten months, you have been unable to talk. Suddenly you regain the use of your voice. What would you say? Who would you talk to? Would your first words to be to your spouse? Honey, I love you. Would your first words be to one of your friends standing there? Would your first words be to your newborn son? Picture this. For months, Zacharias had been silent and when he could finally speak again, his first words were not to his wife, neighbors, friends, or the newborn son. Rather, his first words were to God. Zacharias regained the use of his tongue and he sang a song of praise to God. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, he said. Zacharias is filled with joy at all that God has done. He weaves the names of his son, himself and his wife into this song. The name John means the grace or the gift of God. And that is what the song is all about. The glory of God made known. Zacharias means he remembers his holy covenant. In the song Zacharias sings that God has remembered his holy covenant. And finally, Elizabeth means the oath of God. And Zacharias sings of the oath which he swore to our father Abraham. Zacharias' song is a delighted chain of praise from the beginning to the end. First he brings praise to God for keeping his promise to David. Second he raises voice in praise to God for keeping his promise to Abraham. And third his praise to God is for keeping his promise to his son, John. 
in the darkness of the time, before the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, Zechariah prophesied that the Son of Righteousness will rise. And in this way, I may summarize the message. In his song, Zechariah prophesied about the messianic sunrise in the coming birth of Christ. And he sang his praise to God for keeping his promise to David, for keeping his promise to Abraham, and for keeping his promise to John. And from the liturgy sheet, I changed the order. First, his promise to David, and then the promise to Abraham. Therefore, in short, in his song, Zacharias prophesied about the messianic sunrise in the coming birth of Christ. And he sang his praise to God for keeping his promise to David, his promise to Abraham, and his promise to John. Brothers and sisters, Zacharias talks of darkness. And as you may know, darkness is the absence of light. Physical darkness happens when the power goes off. Spiritual hap darkness happens when we are away from God and the light of His presence. In fact, darkness means opposition to God and the things of God. For God is light. When Zacharias look at the world he lives in, he sees so much darkness. He sees unbelievers, men, women and children who refuse to acknowledge God. They either have made a deliberate decision to do without God in their lives or they have chosen to ignore Him. Whatever the case may be, these men and women and children live in sin and in rebellion against God and His ways. And Zacharias also looks at the darkness in the public institutions of his days. He sees the Pharisees and Sadducees and the rest of the Jewish Sanhedrin with legalism and hypocrisy. He sees Pilate and Herod and the cult of worship that surrounds the Roman Emperor. He sees the Roman Empire based upon conquest, subjection and idol gods. He sees false faith and religions that worship what is made rather than the almighty creator. Zechariah sees darkness in Israel. The promised land is under foreign occupation and the people of God have not heard the voice of prophecy for some 400 years. For 400 years, the voice of God has been silent. The darkness before the sunrise of Jesus' birth had been long and dark. According to the scriptures, the people of Israel had been sitting in darkness and in the shadow of death. The faithful remnant of God's people knew that the messianic sunrise would come because the prophet Malachi had promised in the concluding lines of the Old Testament that the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. 
You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. So despite over 400 long years of darkness, the faithful people were looking for the sunrise. And yes, there had been recent glimmers of light indicated that dawn was imminent. There was Gabriel's communication of John to Zacharias. There was Gabriel's announcement of Jesus' birth to Mary. There was the meeting of two pregnant mothers and Elizabeth's loud, joyful prophesy. Mary's Magnificat, the birth of John the Baptist. These brief flashes were signs that steady rays of messianic sunlight would soon shine from the horizon. And now, with the birth of John, a pale glow was almost visible. Zechariah circumcised his son, and the people ask, what kind of child will this be? Old Zacharias, speechless for nine months because of unbelief, then responded in faithful obedience. His tongue was loosed, and he gave his the final song before the sunrise. And Luke introduces him by saying, and his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. Zacharias stood as the mouthpiece of God. His words were God's words. Like Mary's song, his too was filled with scripture. Zechariah's entire priestly life had drawn nourishment from the Holy Scripture. And now he sang almost completely the, in Old Testament wording. For they have detected as many as 33 possible references and quotations from the Old Testament in this brief, rapturous song. Zechariah's hymn has traditionally been called the Benedictus because the opening expression, blessed be the Lord God of Israel, was rendered in the Latin translation of the Bible translation of that time, Benedictus Dominus Deus Israel. And this title is quite appropriate. It captures the sense of the song quite well. Because it is a song of benediction and praise for how God had worked to bring about the messianic sunrise in the coming birth of Jesus Christ. As Zechariah started his praise referring to God's faithfulness in keeping his promise to David. The covenant the Lord had established with David was simply God's promise to David that he would be succeeded by his son Solomon and his son would build the temple. But ultimately, a greater successor would establish David's throne forever. 
The covenant was delivered by the prophet Nathan to David when David was at the height of his power and had expressed his desire to build the temple of the Lord. Nathan says, The Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you. You shall come from your body and I who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. The great promise of an enduring kingdom and king fired the hopes of the faithful in Israel. The faithful remnant of God's people looked longingly for that great coming ruler of the house of David. And the prophet Isaiah already gave an immortal expression to this great hope. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and of his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And Zechariah sang of this great person as a horn of salvation. And you know, this is an image from the Old Testament. We are to think of an angry bull slashing at his tormentors with his horns. Or we are to think of a pair of rams banging heads, fighting for control over the flock. Christ is the horn of salvation. What does this mean? All the power and strength of a bull or a ram is concentrated in his horns. In the same way, all the power and strength of God's salvation is concentrated in the horn called Christ. This means Christ is God's only salvation. Apart from him there is no salvation. Apart from him there is no forgiveness. Apart from him, there is no redemption. He is a horn, the horn, the only horn of salvation. And try what you like. Look where you will. Do what you can. But you will not find another salvation. It is Christ or nothing. He and he alone is God's horn of salvation. And perhaps you think your sin is so great that it can't be forgiven. Perhaps you think you are so lost in sin that you can't be found. Christ is able to save all men. No one is beyond his reach. 
Christ is able to save from all sin. No sin is so great that the repentant sinner can't be forgiven. He is a horn of salvation, a mighty horn of salvation, able to save all men from all sin. Christ is the horn of salvation. Consider what this means. This also means Christ is a protecting salvation. Without its horns, an animal is defenseless. But with its horns, it can defend itself against enemies. And in Christ, we find security. He is the horn of salvation who defends us and keeps us safe. Yes, we may have our lapses. Yes, we may for a time appear to fall from the grace and favor of God. Yes, we may commit the most horrible of sins. And yet, if we put our trust in Him, He will restore to us the hope and joy of salvation. To paraphrase what Paul says to the church at Rome, nothing can separate us from Him. Neither trouble, nor hardship, nor persecution, nor famine, nor nakedness, nor danger, nor the sword. Neither death, nor life, neither angels, or demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers. Neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from Him. Because He is the horn of salvation. Think of David himself. He was an adulterer. He was a murderer. We can say he fell from grace. And yet God restored to him the hope and joy of salvation. Or think, or think of Peter. He denied the Lord. Three times he denied the Lord. We can say he fell from grace. And yet God restored to him the hope and joy of salvation. Why? Because the horn of salvation is a protected salvation. Zechariah's song celebrates the majestic tossing horn of the divinic Savior, Jesus. Who would effect a mighty deliverance. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. And today, this mighty horn of salvation is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Hebrews 7. Whoever we are, whatever we have done, Christ, the horn of salvation, can, can save us completely and eternally. We must therefore take the greatest pride in the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jews first, also to the Greek. And this brings you to the second aspect. Zechariah's praise for God's keeping his promise to David through Christ 
naturally moved to his promises to Abraham because the promise to David rested upon the original promise to Abraham. The promise to Abraham was first expressed when God promised Abraham and he was yet childless that he would make a great nation of him and that all the people of the earth would be blessed through him. On a following occasion when God reiterated the promise emphasizing that Abram's offspring would be like the stars of heaven. And Abram believed the Lord and he, the Lord, counted it to him as righteousness. God was so pleased with Abram's faith that on that night when the sun had set God himself appeared as a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. Signifying that his promise was unconditional and that God would be torn in pieces like those pieces if he failed to keep his promises. Would we be impossible? And yet, as great as this affirmation of the covenant was, a great reformation was to come when God swore to Abram that he would keep his covenant. And that is what Zacharias referred to in his song. To show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abram to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serving without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And this oath took place after Abram's obedience in his willingness to sacrifice Isaac, through whom the promise of a great nation was to be fulfilled. After God stopped Abram's hands in midair, God made an oath. By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Genesis 22. God was so pleased with Abram's obedience that he swore by himself. And it was something he had never done before and has not done since. From Zechariah's inspired perspective, the effect of this great oath as fulfilled through the coming of Christ would not only be deliverance from enemies but also to give the strength that we might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. Certainly this is what Christ does for the believing heart. He liberates it so it can serve 
And Mary became the first servant of the new age of grace when she said, Behold, the maid servant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your words. And indeed, this is the precious call of the gospel. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And this brings us to the third aspect. God promised to John. As Zechariah's eyes fell to his newborn son, he sang of the part his son would play in the new day. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. There had been no prophet among the Jews for four centuries. Zechariah had just recovered his voice. And he was using it to praise and to prophesy. His baby boy was the focus of divine revelation. As surely Zechariah's words were not calm utterances. They came in a halting tremulous voice as he struggled to gain composure. In addition to citing John's function as prophet and forerunner, Zechariah's words focused on the depth of John's ministry. He, will, he would give knowledge of salvation to his people. And this would not be theoretical knowledge, but personal knowledge of salvation as a result of a divine gift. John's ministry, of course, expected the work of the coming spiritual sunrise. Intimate knowledge of the divine gift of salvation. For he came to his own. And his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And this closeness with God is very special. special. Like that between a child and a parent. The Apostle John would later say, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know you have eternal life. And this was the gospel as Peter and the other apostle preached it. To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And therefore our assurance is that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What incredible things Zechariah saying regarding his son. True knowledge of salvation 
And the forgiveness of sins would come from his ministry as people heard him preach and turned to God. And this is what the gospel offers. The only real forgiveness of sins in the universe. And those who have experienced it can testify that there is nothing like it. The forgiveness of sins enters to the very depth of the human soul. For the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Zacharias ends his son with praise for the forthcoming rising of the sun. Israel is, as the Greek literally says, sitting in darkness. And this is a moving picture of despair and hopelessness. They are helpless, just as I described it. The people who walked in darkness, those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness. But now the sun goes up. Our translation is sunrise. The day is springing up. Other translations render the rising sun, the first light of heaven, the morning sun from heaven, the day spring and the sunrise from on high. And all gave the idea of the appearance of Christ as the light of the world. And it is the fulfillment of Malachi 4 verse 2. But for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. And with the words of the Apostle Peter, Jesus is the morning star which rises up in your hearts. He is the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. And the Lord Jesus Christ said of himself, I am the light of the world, and whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And the Lord Jesus told his followers, Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. When Jesus rises in our lives, gone is the shadow of death. We pass from death to life. And that has happened throughout the history of salvation. It happens today as well. Today too. The darkness does not overcome the light. Every time a sinner by the grace of God repents of his sin. And turns to Jesus. Light overcomes darkness. Rather than darkness overcome light, overcoming light. Every time a child of God by the strength of God resists sin. Of free sins, darkness fails to overcome the light. And every time a good deed is done, the hungry are fed, the lonely are visited, the sorrowing are comforted, the poor are assisted, the sick are encouraged. We see an, inst an instance of light overcoming darkness. And every time an abortion is stopped, an illness is healed, a broken relationship is restored, and a wounded soul is made whole, then too we see light overcoming darkness. The sunlight of Jesus should be obvious in us. 
the people should be able to look at us and see the radiance of Christ. A young boy, about nine years old, went with his parents to Europe one summer. And part of their tour was visiting the great old cathedrals of the past. And as he would visit cathedral after cathedral, he saw the massive stained glass portraits of the saints, the disciples. He was so impressed as he stood in the great empty halls, looking through the beautiful stained glass windows and saw the saints. And upon returning home, he told his school teacher about the great churches of Europe and the glass portraits of the saints. And then his teacher asked him, what is a saint, a believer? And his mind went back to those massive, beautiful stained glass windows. And he said, a saint is a believer the light of Jesus shines through. Blessed is the Lord God of Israel who has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in Jesus, the Son, in the house of David. Yes, blessed are those through whom the light of Jesus shines, for blessed are those who do his commandments and that they may have the right to the tree of life. Amen. Him 80, verse 1, 2, 5, and 6.
Avalichi prayer. Almighty God and merciful Father, every time again it becomes clear that you are faithful to your promises. You are merciful to us. And you fulfilled all your promises to David, Abram and John. In Christ you have given us our eternal King who rules over this world and in whose hands we are safe. He is the horn of our salvation. And he fulfilled all his promises to Abraham so that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve you without fear in holiness and righteousness during our whole life. Yes, John gave us the full assurance that we can find our salvation in Christ only. How great is your gospel. Work with your spirit in our hearts so that we may embrace it in faith and seek our salvation only in Christ, your Son, our Savior. We thank you from the heart that you have fulfilled your promises and have revealed your righteousness when you laid our iniquity on Christ. You poured out your mercy on us who are guilty and worthy of damnation. And through him you have reconciled us so that we may obtain immortality and life eternal. For thanks to your grace, there is no damnation for all who are in Christ. And we are thankful that we as your children may show the light that shines upon us in Christ. And give that we then may serve you in the unity of faith. Listening to the same gospel and bless the preaching of your gospel under the Jews, the Muslims, the heathen people. Bless all the work that is done supporting the preaching of the gospel. We thank you for the progress of the work in Papua New Guinea and that for us it is possible to set our gifts apart for this work. Give the candidate pastor, Corny Panthers and her family what is necessary for his task over Christmas and New Year's time within the Hilla congregation. We are thankful that the youth of Lei and Wantum could have an enjoyable time together and give that these young people may grow in faith and surround our new missionary, Reverend Slav, with your care. Now he follows mission courses in preparation for his move to the mission field. He has strengthened the local pastors and congregations in PNG. And we ask you for others who need your special care, especially those who are suffering already for a longer period of time. Strengthen them, be with the lonely and comfort the depressed people, and bless all that is done to help those who are handicapped in body or mind, and comfort their relatives with your promises. We thank you for all the blessings we have received. For a lot of people it is holiday time. 
And many have taken the opportunity to move away, to relax, give all an enjoyable time and protect us all when traveling. Give us the strength to serve you also during this holiday time in the things we do. Lord, you have blessed us all in many ways. Enable us all in our respective callings to live according to your will and to use the talents to serve you in your kingdom. We commend to you the elderly in our congregation. Tomorrow our sister Christine Mahoney hopes to celebrate her 85th birthday. You've blessed her in many ways. But also when we are growing there are more problems coming. But we ask you to give her an enjoyable time. Also we have children and relatives. And give her what is necessary also in the time to come. Yes, we ask you to surround all those suffer already for a longer period of time. We ask this of you because you have power over all things. And you are both willing and able and able to give us all that is good. That your name should receive all glory forever and ever. Give us your grace that we all realize that in everything we live before your holy countenance and therefore keep us from sin. Give us grace to live together in peace and holy love. Bless our government in their task to rule over us, but also to show that there is only hope when we listen to and obey your word. Let people come from all tribes and nations to glorify your name and to serve you in the unity of faith. Help us to look forward with a great longing to that great day when our Lord Jesus Christ will come again from heaven with great glory and majesty. And therefore we are thankful that we can pray. Come, Lord Jesus, come, hear our prayer in the forgiveness of our sins. In Christ's name. Amen. You have now the opportunity to set your gifts apart with the mission work in Papua New Guinea. And after that you will sing hymn 14, the verses 1, 2 and 3.
Lift up your hearts unto God, receive the blessing of the Lord, and depart in peace. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.